friends, welcome to episode 191 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I am Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Very full. Yeah? Yeah. Pretty much same. Yeah. We had a, a good luncheon today with our, our head of marketing. <laughs> <laughs> with our head of marketing, yep. Sam, thank and, you so um, much for your time and uh, all your we, your efforts. We got a... a, a Great ideas out of it too. So yeah, was, we uh, put together a lot of the a lot of this to next uh, next year. Yeah, worth I, of, uh, I, got, I got a pack of full of stuff behind me. So man, don't we ever? Um, and that's kind of tonight's show, really. Uh, yep, that's to, it, everybody. Good night. Not not to just <laughs> bust, <laughs> not to just bust into 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 the topic right away. But I mean, the topic is kind of just uh, just very open tonight. It's it's looking back at the last year, looking forward to the next year. Yeah. Um. Kind of how it went for the show, kind of how it went for gaming in general. It's been a weird year in a lot of ways, but not necessarily bad, I would say, for gaming as a whole. We had a ton of new systems come out. Yeah. Um, a lot of good Kickstarters hit and did exceptionally well and mm-hmm. are, are producing exceptionally well. Um, I, I know the uh, the Blade Runner one from Free League. I was, yeah. I was a member of that, so I've got that book um, sitting around. I believe it or not, I haven't even looked at it yet. That happens yep. when you have a bunch of other things to look at. Uh, yeah, we've got so many of those other system spotlights. Um, uh, uh, Pinnacle came out with the uh, Savage Worlds Fantasy Companion. Yes, uh, it's in its kind of like final forms. We're just making like little revisions, but I bought mm-hmm. into that Kickstarter as well, so I'm getting the advanced copies of that. Nice, so, nice. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see how that works itself out in the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, in here, I wouldn't say near the end of the year, but definitely in the the late third and fourth quarter, D and D one really kicked in. Yep. And yep. uh, we saw an upsurge in angst and joy and trepidation oh. on, uh, of of all all things in the DM Academy. <laughs> there are um, so many opinions happening. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, yeah, rats jumping ship for no good reason other than to say there's other systems. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. as they often do in that in that ebb and flow of of what they know versus what's out there. And what's great, I would say, is that even though we had a good kickoff to this spike in playing from like stranger things and uh, uh and some other uh other pop culture areas that kind of engaged people back into role playing you know hawkeye had it for larp and and uh oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Feelers, but we had a lot of good inferences that came in it didn't die we just had a bunch of a bunch of people grow and it kept growing to the point where like now to find a good gm is hard yeah, you know, and that's yeah. a thing that that's that's fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's one of those moments where it's like that's that's good. That means there's lots of players out there. There's lots of games out there attempting to be ran, and a lot of fresh fresh blood looking at trying to run games, which is fantastic. Like yeah. that's that's being creative. I love all of it. Absolutely. I love all of that stuff. So absolutely. Um, I do want to also mention tonight, um, in case you are uh, one of the I don't know dozen or so people listening live to the show. Yeah. Um, that our, uh, as we've said it before, but I just want to issue the reminder, our Discord live chat is uh, always open to everyone, not just Patreon members on this yep. night. So if you are happening to be listening live right now, you can grab our Discord link off of uh, StorytellerConclave.com or off of our Twitter feed mm-hmm. and uh, join us up on our Discord and we will get you validated and get you in the live chat if you want to chat with us on the air right now yeah. and uh, ask us some questions, talk about uh, various things going on. Help us share. 
shape the next year. You know. Yeah, absolutely. We've got we've got ideas, definitely. Uh, yep. So I <laughs> and, see uh, uh, Overwatch, Heat hey, Knox in the box. This year, uh, Arcticus uh, mentioned something earlier. It was about fifteen minutes ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, good to, good to see everybody there. I see, no. uh, Jay Gen X is, uh, typing the, nice. in the live chat. Excellent. I have so, not seen, I, I watched all the way through Gumball, and that was, because we, we got a little Gumball gift here, but I don't even know, because it's, it's just Gumball holding a piece of paper, which looks blank, so. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I, I watched all the way through Gumball, and I will have to say, it is a little weird, but at the same time, very oddly wholesome. Yeah. I've seen just little snippets of it here and there, and it looks like it, uh, it, it, it lampoons reality pretty well. Yeah, but like yeah. In, in such a odd way that it feels comfortable by the time you're done with it. You're like, it's because in the art style definitely does it like the art mm-hmm. style is a normal world with a bunch of cartoons drawn cartoons on top drawn of drawn yeah. into it and clear insanity that happens all the time. But somehow the world resets itself. So it's, it's a lampoon on a lot of things. But at the same time, like a lot of the topics just make sense. And work so for for me it's a masterclass in internal consistency, which is a good uh, to, yeah. to kind of bring it back to like storytelling. Like, yeah, it's, it's a it's a good uh, metric for like as long as your rules are consistent within your world, it doesn't matter how ridiculous they are. Right, as long as they're consistent. Yeah, no, that's and the thing about character development is it can be slow. Mm-hmm. But if there is character development, character especially for NPCs, like if you're telling a story and you want to have. NPCs develop, have them develop, but do it over a period of time and make all the developments character related. Yeah. yeah. And that's another thing this does is it only happens as characters have interactions with them. When the main two characters interact with the war- with those people, they change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just a little, but not enough. Like they're 100% recognizable as they move through and I love that except for obviously the odd main plot that I will not ruin. So. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. But uh We've had some tea changes this year as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you, actually have you ran the new tea. So you ran out of the Paris. Yes. Which one is this? This is the um, uh, lemon ginger. Lemon the, ginger. The, the, the the new one that that stopped yeah. you dead in your tracks for a little while. Yeah, this is good stuff. It is right good, here. good stuff. This so. is good stuff right here. Yeah. But uh, give yeah. it a little stir. I'm not even trying to be quiet about it. And we're talking about the tea. Y'all can hear me stir my honey into it. That's right. She's sipping the tea. It's very good. But we had a lot of system spotlights this year, and what was funny was, as we were going through them, I went, didn't we do Alien this year? And then I was like, no, that was last year. Oh, wow. We've got a lot of system spotlights. Man, time flies It really, really does. Um, I I was having trouble remembering. We had to like go back into our notes and like really figure out which which system spotlights we did in the calendar year of 2022. Um, Because, yeah, like I I thought Alien was pretty recent. I forgot Mouse Guard was this year. Yeah, beginning of this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, JGenX. It's a Tulsi lemon ginger. It is caffeine free. I mean, which means it's pretty. But it's it's an organic India tea, and it is really really good. If you haven't had Tulsi teas, I I recommend them. They do not sponsor us. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it, but Sam says tea ASMR. <laughs> I am not slurping. This is now an ASMR podcast. Sorry guys. Yeah, it's just happening. But uh, yeah, and in like in the in the system spotlights. We had quite a few, mm-hmm. but I know we were talking about, like, how do we want to break those down? And, like, which one was the best? Which one gave us the best impression? So, like, let's, I would like to at least hit some of those because I know those were questions that we had gotten kind of asked oh, yeah. in the, in the yeah. passing. So what gave, what was the biggest impression? Which one of the, the uh, system spotlights? 
Oh God, I, I I think every single one of them left an impression on me in some way. Okay. Um, and that's uh, dead honest. One of the biggest reasons why I think I love doing the system spotlight so much is because it forces me every single month to expose myself to a game I never have picked up before. Right. Um, and uh, or at least if I have picked it up in before, like in the case of Mouse Guard, where I'd been playing it for a year and a half before we did the the the, the spotlight on it, it caused me to deep dive the player's handbook and really like dig into it in a way that I never would have engaged with it as just a casual player. Right, right, right. You know. Um as far as like the actual biggest impression on me goes I think Arc Doom left me feeling the most enthusiastic about stylistic change or stylistic uh choices in the game itself okay um to me that was a game that the mechanics felt like the idea it was trying to convey the most okay um for, you know in, in that it was quick it was simple it was very rules light um but there was a part of it that never let you feel like the world wasn't ending Mm-hmm. Um, everything being having a real time component to it, to to the point where like magic is dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, th- th- things have a real time component to them, so there's always a clock ticking. And then, yeah, reading like the spell descriptions where it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you can do this and just absolutely break reality. But you have to eat a human heart if you want to get that spell back. And you're like, I have to what now? Yeah. Oh, did we forget we were dealing with apocalyptic themes here mm-hmm. for a second? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I. I think for me, um, the biggest impression um, is kind of a toss-up, because like uh, Shang Chi, uh, Blood in the Banquet Hall. Yeah, I think as a as a whole game, as it like as you take the game, it had the biggest impression because of how they presented it. Yes, like first glance, I was like like passing glass i will say when i first heard about it and kind of what it was about i was like "Ooh, i'm a little concerned Mm -hmm. but then the moment that i read into it at all i was like not only are they doing it justice but at the same time they're flavoring it as it should be done like the the book itself lended so much to accepting what you were getting into and being okay with it. Yeah, yeah. There was definitely a moment where both you and I were like, is this about to be a racism? Yeah. And uh, the the answer was yes, but it was written by, you know, uh, Chinese immigrants, you know, Chinese Canadian, yeah. uh, who uh, want, it was, it was an act of cultural exchange, yeah. not an act of cultural appropriation. And that was the big thing is like yeah. any, if that had been done by anyone else in the same style with mm-hmm. the book, the way it was done... I don't think it would have had the same, but it wouldn't. It would never have been written like that. Yes, it would never yes. have been presented like that. Agreed. And so, in that sense, that that left a huge impression on me. Like, I want to go back and really understand what made all of that feel so right. I will say we reference it a lot for we a do. game we've never played. Right, and 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 because of that impression, yeah. Um, I think the second one for me was honestly the One Ring, and it was because. I we reference it a lot because of how it handles fantasy better. Yeah, not, not not you know whether it's OSR, not whether it's dice or balance or anything like that, but literally the flow of the game 
follows what you think D&D is. Yeah, a group, group of Whether adventurers a, gets together at a home base, ventures out into ventures the dangerous Ventures to wilderness. a danger, does a danger, returns home, and are triumphant. Like, that's what you think an adventure is. Good things happen along the way, bad things happen along the way, stories are told, People memories are injured, are made. De- you know, decisions are, you know, and whatever, but like... It has all of that baked into the way the game rolls out, and yep. in that sense, it was like, why isn't this like praised by more? Why is it? Why isn't this examined by more? Yeah, and that that was my impression behind it. Was like, I really like it. I think it's fantastic. I think if I did run another fantasy game, I would just lift out the rules and set them. I I might even run a one ring game just because i really liked the flow yeah yeah absolutely. and maybe some of it breaks down in the mechanics of actual gameplay and there might be aspects of that 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 don't really translate well but overall looking first glance at, at the impression on it it really sings like it like it should well i'll tell you one thing uh one of the other categories we want to discuss in here was uh best experience reading you know the prettiest book the best layout <laughs> uh and man there are some contenders because oh, without a doubt Morkborg, Arc Doom, um, and uh, uh, to an extent, Mouse Guard, but then One Ring, like One Ring, does sit very high on that. Thing. One Ring, I think, is gonna edge it out for me. <sighs> I mean, Arc Doom and Morkborg were works of art, absolute works of art. Morkborg for me edges it out only because Morkborg never loses its edge, like uh, like uh, Plangea, you know, mm. it it never loses metal. Yes. From beginning to yes. end, you, 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 every page that you turn over and it is Morkborg. How can I make it more metal? And, yeah. And I here love comes Morkborg, just wants to know your location. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, in, in it, I will say it, it handles Dark Souls better than Dark Souls in that sense, is that Dark Souls, the video game, never lets you leave Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. This never lets you leave Morkborg. Yeah. yeah. And I, I looked at that and I was like, oh, man. That is that is beauty in itself. Step five of character creation: give your character a name. It won't help. No, exactly. <laughs> like, okay. Thanks, guys. Like, like I can hear Marvin from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes, give yes. your character a name. It won't help. You want me to sit in the corner and roster just fall apart from standing? <laughs> but like. I, that's why I think that one edges it out for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, def- definitely a lot of strong contenders there. So, then, man. best reading experience. Best reading experience? Um... God, I know I know. I keep coming back to Arc Doom, but I almost have to give it to that. Um, I, I think it was a good experience. I mean, I think Lasers and Feelings, because it's a one page. <laughs> no, seriously, that was going to be mine, because, like... That is something that not only a storyteller can look at, but a player can look at at the same level and be like, I'm ready for this crap. Done. Yeah. Done. Yeah. So. Um, but like Arc Doom for me, uh, first off, you know, a, a very pretty book to look at. Um, every page is a wondrous work of art. Um, the the art style inside was, was very like um, cryptic and fantastical, but off-putting in a strange way um yeah 
but uh also a lot of different colors a lot of different fonts um they they really cranked the the design elements up to up to 11 on that book um but just from a functional standpoint of reading it as a rule book like you remember all of your important words and all of your important rules were like bolded and or yeah. underlined denoted in some way within their various paragraphs that if you could skim over it they draw your eye immediately to the no. one rule you're looking for i agree i agree and in, in that sense it was quick. Yeah, it was not only pretty, but it was super user friendly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think I, a, a good mention goes to uh, Workborg and uh, Mothership for tables at the front. Yep, yep, <laughs> tables right up front. This yeah, is a... the useful information. We're not hiding it on you anywhere. It's nope. not on page one fifty three. The game ain't that s- f- slow. Yep. <laughs> let's let's get right to it. Yep, absolutely. Um, now we're gonna have two here. Okay. Most likely to play, best game that you'll never get a chance to run. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Read it correctly. That I'll never play. Best game I'll never play. Okay. Because that, there's a distinction. Getting the chance to run it and wanting to run it. Uh, are, versus playing it. Versus, versus this is a horror game. And uh, I have no horror players at my in, in, in my current party. I would have to go searching for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, nobody I know is really into that sort of stuff. So not really, not unfortunately, really. like I, I think the closest I would get to it is mystery yeah. or like intrigue with a, a little bit of like SCP. Yeah. 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 Which I, I could, I could probably pull that off. So, so most, so most likely to play most likely to play. Um, well, I mean, mouse guard cause I'm in a game. Well, let's skip over that one then. <laughs> I can't cheat on that one. Nope, um, can't cheat on that one. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I immediately came up with a with with a game idea for Arc Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sits pretty high on the list. Um, One Ring, like you said, very high on the list because I think it offers a really great fantasy experience, arguably better than the flagship fantasy, you know, D and D. Um, I have a number of people in my life that are interested in spacefaring games. Mm-hmm. So I think stars without number sits pretty high on the list. Okay. Um, and I think Mistborn would be really cool to give a, give a world to. Okay. I, I very much like that world. See, I think that you'll never get to play that one. I don't think, I don't think I'll ever get to play that one though. Um, so I'm going to say probably most likely to play is going to be Arc Doom for me, just okay. because I'm I think I feel the most inspired by that, and that inspiration would drive me to to actually get a game together of it. Gotcha. Okay. How about you? I, most likely, I'm going to end up playing Lasers and Feelings. Oh I, yeah, I feel that it's it's way too easy not to just throw that together. Too accessible. Like yeah. too why accessible not? No. Why yeah. not? And and honestly, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think best game I'll never play. Um, is probably stars without number, be- just because pulling together and getting because it's a full game. Yeah, right. It's yeah. it it's a full game. It's a lot more. It sits on the lot more. I think the far end of that scale is uh Dune. I like it, but I don't think enough people in our group could enjoy it. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I it's that. I can't even think that it would fit in. Although it would be neat. The I I just it would it'd be a challenge. Yeah, I felt I felt very overwhelmed by Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just I don't 
I personally don't do political machinations well. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do do them well, I feel dirty afterwards. <laughs> No, you should. You Look, should. I have a brand, and that is high adventure, you know? <laughs> I, and the thing is, is that, and I will flat out say this, doing those, you do feel dirty at the end of them. Yeah. Because you're playing a dirty game at all times. Mm-hmm. So, I, if you're doing Shadowrun right, you should feel dirty as the storyteller slash Johnson. Yeah. It's just the way the game goes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I will say that there was a lot of great mechanics that came out of all of these this oh, year yeah. that made me think about mechanics and other things. Uh, Mouse Guard's dual player uh, storyteller section. I love that concept. Um, I love that uh, in uh, Kids and Bikes that there's a common character that everybody works toward. I like That's that idea. Great, yes. Um, and I definitely see that as a as something that I would I would run at any age level. I think that could be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um obviously, uh the way that they handle the levels of 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 respect and knowledge and between the elderly and the uh, and the youth. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like there's a cultural diversity there that makes sense, right? Yep. That like if you're old, you're better at handling the old culture and ways and has have knowledge. Whereas if you are young, you're good at the street level and can adapt and are physically better to handle things. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like that spectrum. I think that's that's lost in a lot of ways. For me, I mean, like, I, I think, you know, we, we can always come back to it, but the, 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 big, the big thing, the, the big selling point for me for Zhang Shi is the... Uh, um, the storyteller section, yeah, and and how, just how great it is at, at at speaking to how to run a culturally sensitive game mm-hmm. and how to present racism as a uh, as an element in your story without being disrespectful or making anybody at the table feel icky about right. it. You know, right. Also, just the way that they they present um, you not being of and doing a racism, but mm-hmm. understanding. What's the trope versus what's the reality yep. within the culture, yep. and and being okay at certain levels of that, and being able to be corrected mm-hmm. or adjusted. Sure, um, I think that's beautiful. Sure, I think it's wonderful. Um, say something nice about Seventh C Second Edition. I dare you. It'll take me a second. He's got his eyes closed. He's flexing his <laughs> neck right now. He's just kind of humming and hawing about this. He looks like a kid that I've just eaten to ask his uh, eat his broccoli. I said I'll need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, while I'm needing a minute, tell me something that you uh, that you're going to pull from uh, Morkborg. Uh, something I'm going to pull from Morkborg. Am I going to pull something from Morkborg? Or, or, or it it stands out as the thing within it. Oh, uh, I I mean. For me, Morkborg was a, was a game that dripped aesthetic, um, and I think uh, if there is a lesson to take from Morkborg as a game itself, um, it is a level of immersion in the world building that, um, from, from just from the standpoint of like. In a lot of games, we have a separation. Like, we all kind of acknowledge that we're all just, like, adults playing make-believe at a table, mm-hmm. you know? And we're all just kind of having fun with it. And Morkborg kind of takes it that extra level of, like, even the rulebook itself is brutal metal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think it, uh, to me, that really kind of says, like, you can go further. Yeah. You can go further. You can you can narrate things in a way that exude black metal. You can have the soundtrack in the back that is black metal. Like, mm-hmm. like immerse yourself in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the reading that rule book pushed me to feel that way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, as far All as right. game mechanics, though, I don't know. Like, it's very light on the game mechanics. It is. It is. Um, coming back to Seventh C, I think the thing that I'll, I'll I, I take the most out of that is that they did make a hard shift to narrative, mm-hmm. and I think that that was. I th- I like that aspect of it. I think that there's uh that they they willingly allow they willingly shifted to say all players can do something. Because it's more about moving through in a heroic way rather than letting the dice show how heroic you are. Yeah, okay. So, you know, the whole cons and and having consequences and opportunities and allowing the narration to be a lot more flexible Mm -hmm. does lend a lot to the story. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I kind of pull from that is that concept of I did well. That doesn't mean I do more damage. It means there's now an opportunity. Yeah. Or I did exceptionally poorly. It doesn't mean I'm dead. It means something something happened that was a consequence. Right. And right. that just that turn of concept is refreshing, especially in a heroic situation. Yep. That not everything pinges on a life versus death scale. Right, right. Like when the hero of a heroic movie is, you know, who has just outwitted the spies, makes his jump and just barely catches the ledge and they're shooting at him, his dex roll failure doesn't mean he either gets shot in the head or falls off and dies. Yes. Like, that's yes. not how that system should work. It should be, oh no, he dropped, you know, his radio took a bullet. So now he has no communication with his team. Mm-hmm. You know, or the the detonator device slipped out of his hand is now 40 feet below him on a ledge. Yep. You know, these are the, the things that happen that create consequences. So now there's, you know, a new decision that has to be made. Um and keeps the heroism still up there, but and making you think about what you can do next. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. But those those are the kinds of things that you can take from those. I would say. Yeah, I think uh, the the whole concept of failing forward, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, the mouse guard design of that too. consequences yeah. and complications and whatnot. Like I think that that was a big. I think that was a concept that I that I think I I, I really latched onto. Um, in 2022, like I think there was mm-hmm. a lot of different games that showed me how that could be done very well, and that's a that's a big takeaway for me. So yeah, I think that's a I think that's a great takeaway. Mm-hmm. It's a great one. Where do you want to shift to? Uh, we got ideas here. You know what? Let's let's talk. Um, let's actually go down uh, past the, the 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 next bullet point. Let's go to sure. our gear in gaming. Okay, we're kind of already talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what uh, what games did we play? Well, I, I, we played. Let's see, Mouse Guard. Yep. Uh, Savage World. Yep. D and D. Yep. Fifth edition. Um, I don't think we played anything else. BattleTech. We did play some. We, played, we did yeah. play some BattleTech. Some BattleTech. Yeah. Easy BattleTech. I'll say easy BattleTech. Yeah. Ca- casual tech. Yeah. Casual tech. Um, that's about it. I think for this year, it was not a very big gaming year for us. No, and you being being in three games, and of course, like we all three of us tend to do very long. Um, long form campaigns, yes, rather than like brief one shots and stuff like that. Like, 
I see people on Reddit, they're like, I finished my first campaign. It ran for a whole year. And I'm like, oh, sweet summer child, you know? <laughs> I, I, the, even at, uh, even at the luncheon, like, oh, we finished our campaign. Oh, is this your first? Oh no, I've done like three now so far. And I'm like, dear God. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that but, would be nice. But we only play like once a month, maybe at most, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and we're very deep, very narrative, you know, style things. Like, uh, it's, it's difficult to just, I don't know. It's difficult for me to just breeze through a campaign. Like, I feel like I need time to let things breathe. Yeah. And, I I would think this year, as we move through it, I will I'm going to try and do shorter stories. I think like the lasers and feelings, um, bringing like I gotta close my campaign, yep. and before I start my next campaign, I want to do some more small stuff. I think that's it's a it, it it'll help round out some of my concepts and things like that that I uh, before I move forward. Yeah, I think that's a it's kind of a New Year's resolution on both of our parts. Yeah. Because uh, I was talking the, the exact same thing. Um, I've got that Pokemon game. Yeah, um, using very interesting. The the Savage World system that I was uh, looking into doing. In fact, I may may have recruited Samantha as our uh, as our fourth player. Awesome. Um, if if we can get everything together, I know like a lot of people kind of got some stuff up in the air right now, but we're not ready to go tomorrow, anyways. No, you know, no, so no, no. I I'm thinking like March at the earliest. But you know, I yeah. kind of want to run that as maybe like a four or five game session, like just to try it thing, out and just, it just see how it works, and if anybody's having fun with it and whatnot, and yeah, um, but yeah, I I, I kind of there's there's a lot of game systems I do want to run, and like I think I get stuck because. You know, we do run things as big, like, you know, we, we always think of things in these these vast, like, oh, I can run this huge epic thing. And then it, you know, it, it either never takes off or it takes us years or it mm-hmm. takes us years and then life interrupts us for, oh, I don't know, a decade or so. There's uh, well, the concept of uh, for for every finished minute of footage in a uh, in a commercial, it takes an hour of shooting and editing. That makes sense. So, like, you see a thirty-minute, you know, thirty-second, uh, or yeah, it was a second, like a thirty-second spot on, you know, an you know, during like the NFL game or something like that. It could have taken thirty hours plus to create, to shoot it, and then another thirty hours to edit it. I feel that there's a there's a curve there that gaming could have as well. Like for every page of notes that a GM has, that's a, you know. That's a session, mm-hmm. you know, when you're like, oh mm-hmm. boy, I have like a hundred pages of notes for my campaign. Well, that's a hundred sessions that you're going to go through. Yeah. Maybe trim it back, yeah. you know, yeah. and then multiply that by the number of players at your table. And that's the actual number of sessions, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. That's, I, I, I really thought act two was going to be very, very quick. Ha <laughs> ha. I really thought act two was going to be like, I thought act three in my game would be over by now. <laughs> yeah, I remember you like like early on in the year you're like, "Oh, there's there's probably like, I don't know, maybe 3, maybe 4 sessions left." And I just remember looking at you like, uh, "Okay. Okay, boomer." Yeah. Yeah, no, seriously. I was wrong. I'm still wrong. Yeah. I'll be lucky if we finish it by the end of 2023 at this point. Yeah. But uh, I look forward to that. I look forward to that actually. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I have my last session is on uh, th- this Saturday. 
of this year. Yeah. The session of this year. So yeah. we'll see how yeah. that one goes. Uh, That's right. That's I right. actually got to get out a note about that. I was I was terrible. I'm, I'm being a bad GM. And here I am saying I'm being a bad GM trying to remind people to schedule my game when it's been dead silent for the last month with everybody. Well, I mean, one of them, one of your players is in the live chat and one of them sitting in front of you right now. I understand so. that. I understand that. So at least at least some people are listening and hearing <laughs> about it. If you're, if you're it, listening so. to the show right now, just remember it's on the 31st. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll get to play on. All right. So in that sense, um, moving into the new year. What, what? Well, what game tickled our fancies? Oh, yeah, we got we got more to talk about here, man. Because I I know what my answer for this is. We'll go ahead. Okay, so twenty twenty two was the year of Savage Worlds for me. Oh, without a doubt. Um, I mean, I I think I think we actually like officially switched over to Savage Worlds in twenty twenty one. Yes. Um, yes. but like. 22, this whole year, was like the first full year of playing Savage Worlds that I had, you know? Um, I've got a lot of different game sessions under my belt now, and I've seen the, um, I've seen the elasticity of the system. Mm -hmm. You know, how far you can get it to stretch, what you can get it to do, what it's good at, what it's not good at, and such like that. Right, right. And, um, man, I love it. Mm, You do. Man, I love it. It's like, I, I am still absolutely head over heels in love with the system, um, Anybody asks, like, oh, what's what's a good system for... It doesn't even matter how you finish that sentence. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, Savage Worlds, you know? And I, I, I realize that's not the truth. It's not the truth, but I think in a lot of... In 90% of people who are coming to you from a D&D, like, hey, I've been playing D&D, what would be a good system for Savage Worlds? Savage Worlds, just do it. clearly you still want to have classes and, and dice rolling on the table, so... Yeah, well, I mean, even, even for... Um, and, and this gets thrown around. When I say like, classes in quotes there. I'm just being safe. You know, in discussions on Reddit and stuff like that, too, like, this this gets thrown around is that Savage Worlds has a Pathfinder for Savage Worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, for people who want to get into the Savage Worlds system, but still kind of want the same sort of structure as, as like, Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder. It's a, it's a nice bridge system. Mm-hmm. Um that uh, it doesn't change much about the core rules at all. No. Like there's some some slight differences in like the power levels, and there's some like you basically you take your class edges that kind of give you your core class features, mm-hmm. but it still has that open sort of you know horizontal progression that the Savage Worlds is good at. Um, and uh, uh, it's just I don't know. Every everything everything I've I've encountered so far about the system has just turned out really well. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, it's funny because I've I've even got some some other converts, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, Sean looking to throw his own game together, uh, set in kind of a cyberpunk, you know, uh, uh, setting. Yeah. Um, he's been working on that for a while, but he's been looking at like the Nova Praxis rules and the I think the Interface Zero rules as well, mm-hmm. um, which are both sub settings for uh, for Savage Worlds. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you, a longtime Seventh C. Lover, so mm-hmm. the first edition, I should say. First edition, yep. Um, Wanting, looking strongly at Savage Seas to do Savage, to do Savage Seas. Yeah, yeah. So Savage Worlds to do Savage Seas, which isn't an official setting. It's no. just kind of the the name we're throwing around the office for yeah. for your essentially conversion of it. You mm-hmm. know, because I see a lot of potential there for being able to make direct adjustments and and portray the the setting in a very valid way. Why, um. Why wouldn't you just run it in first edition? Well, my biggest problem with just straight up running it in first edition is is that I want something that is 
I would have to say more open and classless. And seventh seventh C first edition still has a feel of classes, even though we're calling them uh, by their uh, more so by their uh, countries of okay. origin. That's kind of how they're defining classes. Okay. Okay. And I want to go more classless. I want to go more open uh, and and flexible. And secondly. The system doesn't lend itself to the to the same level of complexities that I that were shown in your game, where we you can have the diversity of player types in a world and still have interactions and challenges and consequences with a mixed party. Mm-hmm. It's not like oh, a bunch of brutes have come in the room. How do I handle these with my three scholars and one sword fighter? Right, 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 right. It gets. It gets odd very mm-hmm. quickly and, and would make it very cumbersome, whereas Savage World kind of just takes it in stride. Yep. You know? One of your scholars grabs a flower pot and smashes it over over the head of the other one. You the know, second I... thing that I would say is playing with the deadly rules makes a lot of sense in Savage in, in 7C, which the 7C system does not account for. Mm-hmm. 7C makes you feel very, very invulnerable. You okay. pull out a pistol and you shoot somebody. Yeah, you take a dramatic wound, but you can usually take two or three mm-hmm, mm-hmm. before it's before you're going to go down. Savage Worlds, that's not going to be the case. Yeah, that's got a it's got a pretty sharp death spiral to it, right? And that's how you make the world feel deadly. Mm-hmm. You know, I may still play with Heroes Never Die uh, as a rule set. But, but you're, you're still looking at wound penalties and going down. Period. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. you may not die, but you're out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's that's a key difference in the world set. And mm-hmm. I, I think Savage Worlds does a better job of putting you back into that position where, like, if someone comes up and tags the crap out of you, the next thing will kill you. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, tagging is going to have more meaning in the, in the sense of, like, I now understand what it could do in Savage Worlds. And so I think that's that kind of stuff, you know, and, and sword play has meaning and heavy weapons have meaning. And, yeah, sure. you know, I, I just feel that it would it, it, it adds a lot of credence. Right on. Right on. So. Uh, let's see here. Any other games that uh, tickled our fancies? You know, I mean, aside from like system spotlights and stuff like that, like I'd literally just open up to anything. Do you see something that say... came out that. You know, we've got one friend who wants to run a Battletech game, and I'm so, so hopeful that they do the campaign. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I, they've gone through a lot this year, and I've just been trying to lightly encourage and push a little bit, like, sure, sure, sure. Because I don't want to, you know, I don't, it doesn't want to be a, don't want it to be a burden. But at the same time, like, there's an excitement there. And I, as a storyteller, seeing someone excited about a plot. And story and things like that. Oh you, yeah, you want to be excited with them. Oh man, you know. Like, and there's like ever since high school, I've wanted to get back into BattleTech. You know. Yeah, and like even our our Discord, we have got people who've came in over the entire year and dropped whole plot sections of their stories in, and people are excited and writing and yeah. and being like, "Hey, what about this? Have you thought about this?" And like they're like, just eating it up like it's ramen, you know? Right, right. And I right. love that. I I I think that tickled me more this year is that. 
we were able to have these discussions with people and get people excited and out of that stress mind frame for even a second mm-hmm. to rethink about their games and jump back into them. And yeah, yeah. that's all I've wanted this podcast to be, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Is to help people and get them comfortable with running games again. Absolutely. Or even get interested in running games again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, For me, uh, I think... what. One of the games that really really tickled my fancy. I feel like I said I feel bad. Like I have not even looked at the book yet, just because I've been so 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 busy. Is that uh, the the Blade Runner uh, Kickstarter? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she just got my copy of that uh, uh, not long ago. And um, I think the reason I'm so enthusiastic about that is not because I'm a huge Blade Runner fan, um, but because I'm a huge Blade Runner 2049 fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sean and I actually just watched a um, a little like document, not like a documentary, but like a like a um, a video essay, mm-hmm. uh, kind of deep diving a lot of the themes and stuff that in there. Okay. It's called called Cells Interlinked, and I I apologize, I do not remember what the author's name was. That's fine. Uh, it was about it was a little over an hour long. I want to say an hour and six minutes or so. It's called uh, uh, In Cells Interlinked, mm-hmm. and. Um, Talks about a lot of stuff like I didn't understand. I didn't know that. Um, uh, so, incels interlinked is something that um, uh, Joe says during his, or Kay uh, says during his baseline test. Yes, um, it's yes. actually one of the last thing they're like you know incels interlinked, and he's supposed to respond interlinked. Right. Um, that's actually a quote from uh, uh, "Pale Fire" by um, Vladimir Nabokov. Okay. Who I believe is the same person who authored Lolita. Oh, okay. Thank um, you. And it's a kind of a surrealist poem. Yeah. About um, this guy who writes this poem called Pale Fire, I think it is. And then, like, but there's this other guy who's like trying to help him get published. But that guy is like really delusional and like starts believing that he's that the poem is actually about him. Okay. When it has nothing to do with him. Right. Like, it, it, and there's a lot of like weird things. It's it's when you hear it described by the by the author, it's like um almost House of Leaves-esque oh. in that there's multiple ways you can read it mm-hmm. and how you actually experience the physical book mm-hmm. can change kind of how you experience the story. Interesting. Um, in that there are like, it's written like there are notes by this publisher character written in the front of the book. Oh, thank you. Uh, actually, Overwatch just uh, um, linked it in the live chat. Uh, it is Lady Knight the Brave is the, the author of, within Cells Interlinked. So, um, so the book itself has like extras. Yeah, the and but but there's a lot of like subtle stuff. If you understand Pale Fire, there's a lot of like, um, themes that cross over into the story of Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and you know, that that being like. What is a real identity? Who really are we? You know, do our yeah. experiences change who we are? Um, and kind of the concept of, you know, the, the this publisher character thinking he's the main character of the story when really it's not – it doesn't have anything to do with him. And kind of one of, oh, the, no, the, one of the thesis statements of this, this, this thing is that Kay – is not the main character of the story. No, the camera follows him the whole time, but he isn't. This he is, is not, not the main story. Main character. This of the story. is not the character. You know, this is not the main character of the story. Yeah. No. Um, but it's it's a fascinating exploration um, of identity mm-hmm. to me. Um, 
uh, a lot of the themes of like transhumanism and like artificial intelligence and uh, like at what point do we draw the line and call something a sentient being? Ooh, true. At what yeah. at what point do we draw a line and say this is a person? You know mm-hmm. that that is deserving of our respect. You know, and hmm. I mean, really, the answer is everything is deserving of your respect. You know, it costs you nothing to be nice to people, mm-hmm. including if they're a hologram or if they're artificially created. You know, right? Um, but it, it confronts a lot of those those sort of questions and stuff like that. And I really found it very thought provoking. And if you can't tell by the fact that I've been talking about it for five minutes now, I've been noticing that. Um, I it's like. It sets my senses a tingle just to think about these things. And mm-hmm. I don't know that if I ran a game of Blade Runner, I would ever be able to bring these concepts to the table in a way that the storytellers of Blade Runner 2049 already have. Um, I don't know if I would be able to do them justice. Well, but... I don't think you necessarily like Blade Runner is a it, Blade Runner's universe is a deep universe that opens the door to a lot of areas. Yeah. No different yeah. than cyberpunk or anything else that that expands upon the concept of humanity. And there's nothing to say that you can't do that in fantasy or any other space. Oh, sure, sure, it sure. is often done. I mean Gaelic tales of old talk about the concept of moving between reality and the fey realm. Uh-huh. And where does that line bleed and who are you really as you step between these these shadows of self? Oh sure, sure. I mean Norse mythology did the same thing with like w- you clear, you know, clearly you're going to Valhalla, but there is a stage point at which you can become a member of, of that guard mm-hmm. that will make it. Hell, Vampire the Masquerade even has a stat called humanity. You Correct, know? and I, I, I think, um, in uh, City of Mist, or sorry, I get it all the time. Urban Shadows, yeah, has the same kind of bleed point, where you're, you lose self. No, no, that's City of Mist. The City of Mist has that. Yeah, that's City of Mist. Yeah, yeah. You the know, balance, the balance between which uh, which side you're leaning towards, the right. mythos or the uh, or the mundane. Whereas, I think um, Urban Shadows has more of what uh, it, not humanity, but the dark, deeper and darker you go into your powers, the more you become what that is and lose self. Yeah, yep. L- lose consciousness of yourself. And I, I think that those are all elements that are coming forward more and more in role-playing games mm-hmm. and role-play where you have a player who's playing a character who's losing self while the player is losing self yeah. into the medium. I mean, it's it's it just, all an expression. It requires, like, just a lot of buy-in from your players, you know? And I think that's, that's yeah. probably the, the biggest hurdle I've got about... You know, running a game like that is it requires so much buy-in from your players, and it requires you to um, really focus on on bringing those themes to life. You really have to think about how you present all of your game information and whatnot, you know, in a way that plays into the theme. And you can't just do stuff, oh, because it would be cool. You kind of have to do stuff, like, in, in service to the theme, so do we need to prepare for a 303 in 2024 called role-playing transhumanism, how to do it properly? <laughs> high concept uh, high concept storytelling in the age of transhumanism, yeah, sure. I mean, when you're role-playing, a role-playing role-play. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, Ooh. yeah, like, but, I mean, even uh, 
it's funny that I literally worked on I was I came up with a game concept sitting at the table while you guys were talking did, yeah. at yeah, lunch yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of expresses that the yeah, duality. Yeah. But I I think that whole layering <laughs> is multiple shows within itself and we are clearly within cells interlinked. Yes, exactly. Yes, interlinked. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I love that we can just do that with topics, because we have a microphone. Sean, Sean's actually in the live chat right now. He says, running, uh, running an RPG that is about the human condition can be done by putting players into situations where the choices and actions have personal consequences. Yes. Yeah, I, th- I, think, um, that's, I think that's definitely, like, there was a very important step for it. There was a module for, I think it was open, but somebody had kind of tailored it for D&D, mm-hmm. called um, something like... Um, a war of we, I think it was like a war of we, W-E. Okay, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And yeah. the whole concept is all you, you, you create characters, and those characters start out, everyone starts out at disadvantage, everyone starts out at two levels of exhaustion. Okay. Uh, you are all, you are a band of individuals. You have to explain how you, you could be a troop, you could be a group that just, you know, refugees together, you could be whatever, but you are, you start out in a broken town, mm-hmm. hiding from an army that is marching through. Oh. That is the opening. Okay. You are not part of said army. That army could be anything. That is up to the storyteller to say what it is. Sure. But there is a war going on around you. That you are not, like, no one in the group, you can't say, like, you guys are, you know, a a small, you know, re- remnants of a garrison or something like that. Nope. Mm-hmm. You're all, you, one of you could have been, but the whole idea is, is that you are a ragtag group that is broken and hopeless and severely, you know, malnourished yeah, yeah, and basically yeah, yeah. having to survive. And the whole game presents to the storyteller, like five pages uh that are each page being a event okay like your players have to survive through this you basically just pull one of the pages at random you once you're through all five pages that is the game that is it oh okay and it's like the first page is like you come to a a a grouping in the road where a cart has turned over and there are people fighting for food and there are you clearly like bunches of different individuals with weapons drawn and you know doing kind of a a standoff and like everybody is at odds and you just get to know like how how do you handle that situation and that's just one of them and it goes through and like each one of these is like a a little adventure a single event adventure and they're all stressful yeah there was a um there was a, a video game that was a lot like that, and I'm trying to remember what. Yeah, what it is. Side, kind of side-scrolly game that was you're in a, you're surviving in a in a war in a area. War, yeah, yeah. And like you have to like steal food from other people mm-hmm. and make make hard decisions, possibly kill innocent people because they're just desperate and trying to survive. Like uh, just yeah, yep. Uh, I remember that that game made my stomach just like I didn't even play it. Just watching the mm-hmm. the trailer for it, I yeah. was like. Oh, I've got a tummy ache right now. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's that's one aspect of playing the human condition. Yeah. There doesn't mean there can't be other aspects of playing the human condition. All human conditions are hard. Yeah. And yeah, they are. So, like having someone who doesn't know who they are 
and then presenting them in the story that, A, you aren't who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not the bad guy, but you're also not the hero. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. And that's just one stage of human condition. Yep. So, yeah. It's it's challenging. That's definitely 303 level storytelling. Oof. <laughs> Speaking of that, so next year we uh through through the power of common idea sharing <laughs> and brainstorming, we think we're going to expand uh next year into 202s. We're going to keep it in the same slot. So first Wednesday of the month, um we are going to do a 202. Yeah, so we're going to deep dive um, some concepts. We're going to expand on uh, some of like, the one-on-ones that we had uh, from the last year. And uh, so now that we've kind of taken you through one, the one-on-one of storytelling, yeah. for all of you brand spanking new uh, storytellers, well, you've got a year of that. So yep. congratulations on your graduation. If we're you moving, haven't, go back and listen. To <laughs> we're going up to 202s now. and we're gonna, So we're just going to expand upon some of the concepts that we didn't you know, deep dive as much. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, into some topics that are a little more, I suppose, high concept or a little more edge case that yeah. don't really fit into, like, your typical, um, like, these are the basics you need to know, you know. For instance, uh, next week's topic, yeah. um, and this isn't the end of the show, so I know we always end that on next week's yeah, topic. Yeah, yeah. I'm just prefacing this. It's going to be about liminal spaces, yeah, the the spaces um, in between story. In between story. So, uh when you travel, when you camp for the night, when sometimes you get a long, long rest, rest even, yeah. yeah. Um what narratively do you do with these liminal spaces that aren't main story driving encounters? Yeah, and you don't necessarily want them to be. Like you don't need it to be a side plot. You don't need it to be main plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, exactly. How does that fit in? How do you still make it enjoyable and story like? Exactly. So again, you can kind of see how it's not. It's not a one on one. Like no, no real storyteller needs to like know this is an absolute basic of things that you need to. Yes, J Gen X. Like like back rooms, like interstitials. Yes. Of of storytelling. Like yes. yeah, you got this layer of Act One and you got this layer of Act Two, but. There's got to be some transient in between that transition point. <laughs> well, no, I, I know, I know what JJNX is referring to. Actually, the, the um, it's the back rooms are liminal spaces, but um, we're we're meaning liminal spaces in more the uh, literal sense in that it means in between, yeah. um, and not uh, not liminal space in that it's come to culturally be, which is like spaces that are basically SCPs. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, the the back rooms is a is another collection of like um, uh, cracks in reality that people fall into in places that that are liminal in hmm. ways that that kind of are psychologically uh, uh, challenging. Challenging, yeah. yeah. Not necessarily bad, but just like the Stanley Parable. Um, gotcha. The Stanley Parable is very back rooms esque. Gotcha. That makes uh, sense. No, not those back rooms. Yeah, That's yeah. a 303. <laughs> <laughs> Man, running a... Yeah. War uh, this, of Mine. This thank War you, of Over Mine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Overwatch. We appreciate you. Uh, yeah, which is basically a Polish team talking about living during a war. Oof, oof, oof. <laughs> oof, oof, oof. Yeah. Back to, like, like Shang-Chi. It's the right people telling the right story, yeah. getting it right. Best game I'll never play, man. Yeah, oof. Yeah. Oof. oof. So in that sense, we're going to do that. We're also going to do some workshopping, which was kind of discussed um, a few times within the Discord and kind of just where we're going to throw challenges at each other live on the show. 
Yeah, yeah, we we've done this a couple times before. Um, of, ju- of here and there over the last three, but never years. hard focused. Yeah. yeah, it's never. But we we've kind of got like a handful of shows where we're gonna workshop live on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main reason we want to do this for y'all is so that you can kind of hear what our thought process is mm-hmm. out loud. Um, because that's that's some of the feedback we've gotten, especially from like newer storytellers, is like, okay, I I understand. The concept that you arrive, you know, yeah. why you arrived at these at these yeah. things, and it's cool that you have it so fleshed out. But how did you get there? Can you yeah. show your work? Yeah, and that's that's where we're going to try and expand on that. Is that we will literally open the workshop with a basic thing and gra- like present to the other person a random piece and build- workshop it, mm-hmm. and go from there and have a completed thing at the end, whether it be like. A completed concept for a plot or a completed concept for an adventure or something like that. Now, we've got a couple of workshop things that we're, we've got a workshop to, to get them framed up the mm-hmm, way we mm-hmm. want to do it. But I think that uh, I think it'll present some some new looks. And honestly, it'll be a lot of fun for us to do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the thought exercises. And, uh, you know, it's I think it's also a great opportunity for our listeners to shoot us ideas, too, if they're if there is something you want to see workshopped uh, on the air and you want us to, you know, kind of see our process of coming up with these things, yep. you, you got the list right there. You want to, do you want to spill? Stay, oh, I was going to actually hand? go to the, the system spotlights to see if any of these really tickle people. Cause I'm, we're not going to put out the list until they start coming out, but because you're listening, you get to listen in and yeah, right on get this. So for the system spotlights this year, these are the ones that we've picked out so far. I don't know what, or this is not the order. We're yeah. Not, yeah. We're not not order. in a particular order. Uh, but Cortex was on the list. Yeah. Uh, that was a suggestion from Elizabeth. worlds without number, mm-hmm. which is something that you, you wanted to hit. That's the, uh, basically the fantasy hero, version of, of stars, stars Without numbers yep. uh your blade runner we mm-hmm. wanted to do that one definitely blades in the dark we definitely have talked about that a few times uh monster care squad got got flagged for us and i i i i, I like the idea of stepping into something cutesy you know? yeah it was uh, inspired by studio ghibli apparently yes so. uh uh cindy cult which is going to be an, an interesting one as well uh urban shadows mm-hmm. um bindlewood bay Bindlewood Bay. Now, if you ha- if you haven't heard of this, it's it's imagine if you had Murder She Wrote and Columbo and basically the old ladies club who love mystery novels. Uh oh, um only murders in the apartment. Only murders in the the, the new one with Martin Short and Steve Martin. Okay, okay, definitely okay. kind of falls into this category I was as well. Miss Maisel's mystery. Yeah, yeah. Miss Maisel's is another one. But yeah, the whole concept was like you've got these older people who are kind of doing murder mystery, uh, and I, I thought that was kind of a neat one. Yeah, um, uh, Wonder Home, um, Root, which we've both seen and been interested in. Yeah, it 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 earned some it earned some Ennies yeah. on the twenty twenty two Ennie Awards. Uh, yeah, and so I, I we we saw it, we saw the book at uh, um, Golden Rhino. Yeah, Golden Rhino Games in uh, Ypsilanti. Probably and, go pick it up. Honestly, uh, it was very bright and colorful, and I absolutely love the art style mm-hmm. there. So I'm excited to look into that one as well. Uh, Monster of the Week, which we've we've passed a few times. Like it's been in the list, and we've just never grabbed it. Yep. Yep. Um, Deadlands coming back to Deadlands. That's Deadlands, be- yeah. yeah. I I was I was hesitant to do a uh, uh, a game that you know ran off the Savage World systems. I because we did Savage Worlds as a system spotlight, right? But um, now that I understand the system better, obviously from playing it for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, 
I, I Deadlands is a long and very beloved game, and I think it would be a shame sure. if we didn't come back. We talk about Powered by the Apocalypse games all the time. Mm-hmm. We talked about a handful of um, free league games that use the year one system. I don't, so I don't think the system should be uh, anything yeah. barring us from. No, and then the the last one on the list, which is going to make you do your side, is Dresden. The Dresden <sighs> game. See, see, I knew it. I knew it was oh, going to be I'm in there. S- I'm so into Dresden. Yeah, so that, that's going to have to slot. Maybe we'll slot that one for uh, for a special uh, a special month for you. So, uh, yeah, we should we should definitely remember to put uh, Urban Shadows and Dresden Files on opposite sides because they're essentially the same game. Yeah, that's that's kind. Of, well, yes and no. I think theming definitely. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. We'll 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 yeah. do that around. One so. is powered by the apocalypse, and one is fate. Yes. So different. A little different mechanics, but uh, definitely uh, a similar tone. Very similar tones, but not urban, urban fantasy, but not yeah. similar stories, which is intriguing. I, I, I mean, I, I think um, Urban Shadows is to Dresden Files what um, Mothership is to Alien. Okay, you follow? I follow. I do follow that. Urban Shadows is Dresden with the serial numbers filed off. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, I could see that. I could see that. I'd have to see, well, not mechanically. Let's leave that off. But the theme, feel, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Knocks in the box in the live chat says, <laughs> I bought the. Uh, I bought a big Dresden comic collection because of you, Sarah. Look what you did. <laughs> did, did, did you dirty there? Did you dirty? Absolutely. Uh, and then uh, I think at some point uh, next year, we're definitely going to have to crack the egg on D&D 1. Um, I don't know how... There's a lot to crack there. There's definitely some focus. Um, nice. <laughs> nice response. Um, perish. <laughs> but uh, I think D&D 1 right now is getting a lot of interest regardless of how you look at it. Yep. Um, yep. It's, it's going to take, I think, I honestly think it's going to take more than a show to examine. Because well, it's going to have to. There's, I think, there's two examinations to be made. But I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Think, I don't think we should have two shows of it next year. But I do think we should do something on it. Um, but I, I kind of like one concept for me is the evolution of D and D with D and D one and what it's exposing of how the game is made, how the game is played, the direction that it's showing. Yeah, and I think no. the other aspect is how they're doing it, how open it is, yeah, how accessible it is. I mean. It's one thing to say D and D is changing, and you know have a have a gur arg kind of look at it. It's another thing to say that there's a freaking game available to play that you could download and get right into. That's 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 a that's a design. Mm-hmm. It's there. Like I, I will say, like XP to level three kind of said it. Like quit your bitching, move on. Like d- don't grump. Like, okay, if you're trying to go for the drama so you could get your viewership up, great. Go enjoy yourself on that regard. But, like, yeah, sure. if you're literally just making a comment on a thread about how angry you are about D&D 1, you're still playing 4th edition. That's not going anywhere. Right, right, right. You're still playing 5th edition. That's not going anywhere. You know, because 6th edition isn't your idle perfect game, whatever. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. Yeah. Ignore it yeah. and move on, right? Yeah, but, I mean, at the same time, I mean, it's, uh, it, I, I kind of understand. I mean, you watched, you watched 7th C 
go through, you know, its iteration from first to second, and you were just disappointed in in what second became, and sure. and, that, and that hurts you, you know. I get it. We sh- you showed that earlier. Say something nice about second edition. You were like, ah. Well, okay. I didn't. Um, I didn't ask an angry person to to make an opinion about D and D one. All I'm saying is no. That, that's fair. That's fair. But but here at the same at the same time though, my 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 point being that like you know uh, I I watched. Maybe not uh, uh, a role playing game that I that I love, but uh, I watched Warhammer turn into Age of Sigmar, and to me that was very much the same move of like, oh, you've killed my baby, you know. I loved Warhammer Fantasy, and I really dislike Age of Sigmar, or at least what it was when it first came out. Maybe it's gotten better. I haven't really paid attention, but you know, I I understand the angst of watching something you love change, and especially in a way that you don't like. Um, and yeah, you're correct. The older editions are still there. We still place, you know, seventh, uh, first edition seventh C. Yep. You know, I can still pull out the most. Oh God, what was it? Eighth edition, eighth edition Warhammer Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, or was it seven? I don't remember. Whatever the last and version I still of Warhammer have Fantasy was. Forty K stuff that's you know a sure, couple versions old. Sure, it's you know the 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 rules are still there, but it still doesn't. You you know that the game has moved on. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain aspect of you know that the majority of the community is still going to be playing the most recent rules and that all the support is going to be going behind the most recent rules and stuff like that. There's it, – it puts a it puts a hard limit on the amount of like you're, – you're never going to get a first edition 7C source book ever again. No. You know? No. I'm never going to get a new army book for any of my Warhammer Fantasy armies. Well, I mean you might according to Overwatch, but – uh yeah, there's classic Warhammer. I I don't know. They've been saying they're gonna bring that out for a long time, and frankly, I I don't trust Games Workshop as far as I can throw them. What so. their hype boy Henry Cavill not doing it for you? <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I've never been a huge 40k fan in the first place. So, um, but uh, I still think it would have made a better live action movie than World of Warcraft. But that's just me. Yeah, maybe I don't know. <laughs> uh, but but I mean I, I I get it. I'm I'm sympathetic, but at the same time I do agree. Like those old editions aren't going anywhere. And no. like if you're if you're just complaining because ooh it's different, like if you're going to complain at least have a valid criticism. Why mm-hmm. is the thing you're complaining about worse than what we currently have? You know, mm-hmm. other than it's different. Yeah, and I'm afraid of change. You know, yeah, which is the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah it really is. I and, I and I get it. I get it. We all we fear change. It's a it's a it's a human impulse. But. Every day we change. Right. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. Uh, like death I'm, in Texas. What I'm probably more worried about with D&D 1 is uh, the recent buzz that uh, we've got about the um, the executives talking about how it's under-monetized. Yeah. And how they, they want to introduce some sort of a pricing structure and or, um, like, incentive. They're like, well, DMs are the only ones buying any of our books. The players... Pff, they just show up and play for free. The nerve of them. They don't pay a single cent for our game. And we really, you know, that's a that's an avenue of monetization that we haven't explored yet. It's like, buddy, my guy, my dude, mm-hmm. I think you forget or maybe never knew in the first place. We used to play this stuff with steno pads and pencils and one set of dice in a, with a flashlight in a tent on a camping trip. We do not need your D&D Beyond, et cetera, et cetera. Like, right. we, will, we will go right back to Theater of the Mind. Yeah. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it, you right, know? Right, right. 
Um, I'm just I'm I'm worried about that because the moment corporate executives get their grubby hands on things, capitalism ruins everything, and we have to suffer through that. So, you know, Knox, I think that's a new game that I'm going to come up with. Death in Texas. It's inevitable. Like that's going to be the subline on it, and that's going to be my new Powered by the Apocalypse game. <laughs> Death in Texas. Death in Texas. <laughs> it's inevitable. Spe- speaking of Savage World settings. <laughs> There's uh, East Texas University. If you really actually want to play Death in Texas, take a look at East Texas University. <laughs> it's the Buffy game, right? It's, it's Buffy-esque in, in, yeah. in, in that, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a bunch of college students at uh, uh, East Texas University in Pine Box, Texas. Ooh, Pine Box, Texas. That Pine says Box, it all right Texas, there. Pine Box, Texas, who uh, become embroiled in the supernatural about their town. Okay. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, games are done in semesters. Okay. The, uh, the storyteller is called the Dean. Ooh, okay. Yeah, and I the like uh, uh, the character sheets all look kind of like a like notepad, you know, paper yeah. for writing yeah, them down. like so three like spiral bound school file entrance papers, you know. Nice. Um, so nice. Yeah, it's okay. it's pretty cool. There's a lot of a lot of big fans of ETU out there. Uh, all right. We were well past the hour point. Do we? Uh, we got anything else we want to talk about? I know never asked a question. This is what game? But I think we got here. all this. Yeah. What games are we hoping to play next year? Yeah, yeah we got those. Yeah, we covered you, Nevin. Uh, big shout out for tossing in that question, though. No, we um, appreciate it. it. Helps frame us stuff. But yeah, I would say uh, for our listeners out there, I think the biggest thing that I could ask for for next year, uh, as far as the show. Mm-hmm. So outside of everything else, I think the two things, like the one, one of the big things that we had put on our charts, because we don't talk about doing this, and and we put it on the chart for this year was trying to get our name brought up in any other space in the community. Mm-hmm. And I will take it, uh, I will take it as a win that we didn't necessarily get brought up in the community, as far as we know. We'd love to hear if we did. If anybody, and I really don't care who dropped our name, I would laugh and accept that as a win. But sure, I don't sure, think sure. it happened. But I will say. It was remarkable the number of YouTube videos that got put out shortly after one of our shows, within like two weeks, that were very interestingly framed about some of the topics in our show. Yeah, yeah. No, please note, we are not making an accusation here. No, it's and, just... but and the thing is, is that I'm not saying that we... If we even gave them the idea to have a discussion about that topic, sure. I am happy. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're not here making money. Believe me, we're not here making money. We don't want that. We're not here for recognition and props. We're here to make the community better. And that's that was just a light target that we had this year was, could we get name dropped? Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in a... Uh, in, in a... Uh, in, in a... Uh, a a college class, a craft a craft class, yeah, in like Toledo, Ohio, randomly. Mm-hmm. That was just like, oh yeah, I heard your husband on on my favorite podcast. My friend was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> you, do what now? <laughs> your your favorite podcast? Oh yeah, it's a single storytelling conclave. Like, and then they talked about it. Yes, like <laughs> that's cool. I will take that as a win because, yeah. like, we I mean. We have marketing that has done an incredible job this year. Thank you, Sam. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we went from like last what was it not last year at this time? Yeah, yeah. Last, la- year, at this last time, year at this time, averaging about 200, 300, 200 listens. 300 listens. We're now up to a thousand listens a month. Yeah, we're averaging closer to like nine hundred. 
Yeah. So like, I'll take that as a hard win of like, we're, we're reaching more people and, and we know more. Lahayim. Yeah. We're in tons of places. Yeah. Like, I love the fact that we're in multiple countries. That feels really good to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so, and honestly, none of this would be possible without you guys listening no, to us. Please. And thank you for just like the dedication for, for tuning in, listen to us ramble. And, uh, you know, for all of you who have joined our community, who joined our discord server and you stayed you know, with us through COVID. Yeah. Stayed with us through COVID. So, you know, just listen, join, join our, join our community, join the discord server, you know, let us hear from you. Mm-hmm. Thought, shot us suggestions, shot us, uh, shot us questions to read on the air. Um, very thought provoking stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, reached out to you know to our other community members for help in your own home campaigns yes and provided help to others yeah who have done the same yep, yep. um it's it's great like on our discord when somebody joins and goes hey guys i've got this problem i've you know i've got this one you know character who has gotten involved with the thieves guild or whatever you know how do i make that interaction fun and interesting but keep everybody else involved and then you've got before I can even type anything or Rob can even type mm-hmm. anything, you've got three or four other people on there going like, oh, yeah, I had a similar situation pop up in my own game. Have you tried this? Yeah. This other game system handles it like this, you know? Yeah. And it's it's great. It's great seeing that sort of that sort of community being, you know, being fostered on our on our discord. And it's just no, I love it. Uh, we love I mean, we, we say to the end of every every single show, we love every single one of you. We do. And it's. Uh, I mean, honestly, you know, to, to get sappy about it, sorry, this is my show. Mm-hmm. Um, you all make this worthwhile, mm-hmm. you know, seeing, seeing the, the listenership, seeing the engagement on the discord and whatnot, like it really keeps us going. And yeah. so thank you so much. Like we, we really literally can't do this without you. Yeah. Yeah. We are, we are lightly, I will say lightly extroverted people that we do this because we can sit in a room by ourselves, have a conversation and still have global interaction Uh, with others. You are the extrovert. (laughs) I I am. I am that crazy extra introvert who can literally hide in his office nine hours the day, talk to virtually no one and then be like, I think I need to go to a party for five minutes. Uh, I, on the other hand, am, have only done this for three years because uh, I don't have to see anybody but you. <laughs> and a few other people at dinner on occasion. So. There, there are a couple of times when we've thought about, you know, going on camera or, you know, showing up at a uh, uh, yeah. at a con, you know, before COVID destroyed that entire landscape. And, uh, and, and just, like, kind of did that thousand-year stare into the mirror of going like, oh, God, other people. People. <laughs> cameras. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I totally get it, so... But we appreciate all of you. We, we we appreciate everything about this. And we hope that 2023 uh, brings in a good year for you and that we can continue having this every Wednesday stability with everyone and uh, keep the show rolling in a, a wonderful way and keep the community rolling in a wonderful way. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, happy new year to everybody. Yeah, uh, here's to a, uh, to a great uh, 2022 and here's to a uh, oncoming and hopeful uh, uplooking 2023 for everybody. May your games be good. May your stories be bright. May your fellowship at your tables uh, be warm and consistent. You can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time at mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. 
and uh, please join us up on our Discord. We'd love to have you uh, hear your voice in our community, talk to other great storytellers, shoot us questions for the show. You can find that link on our Twitter, as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members who help us out every single month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subjet Sam, Darkin Asylum, Sparkle Motion Veteran, Hulavu, and Sean. We really appreciate all your support. Oh, so much. So much. Uh, our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that on Instagram or on Patreon.com uh, at Arcane Anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank, Thank you so you. much for loving and supporting us uh, through 2022 and continuing into 2023. Yes. All of our friends who sat with us at our tables to share these great stories with you over the years and you, every single one of our listeners, we love you guys so much. Love you guys. Good night. Good night.